0: Fashion questions. On each episode, we ask a different question to retail insiders about the fashion industry. This is where they share their views and insights. Brought to you by Hive. The group's fashion portfolio includes Moda at Spring and Autumn Fair, Pure London and Pure Origin. Stay tuned. Welcome to fashion questions today's question is why adding vegan fashion to your product strategy fashion brands can no longer get away without adding sustainability to their strategic plans over the last few years many startups have incorporated sustainability into their unique selling point to respond to a growing demand for ethical fashion brands businesses need to align with their customers core values around sustainability such as care for our planet, fair working conditions across the whole supply chain, and animal welfare. On our second episode of Fashion Questions, retail futurist Doug Stevens said that it's very hard for retailers to know what's going on beyond their direct suppliers. When looking at fabrics resourcing and product components, things tend to become quite blurred. Some celebrities wear vintage fashion to promote sustainability on the red carpet. The most notorious example is Kim Kardashian, who wore the same dress as Marilyn Monroe on the Met Gala red carpet, alluding to an iconic moment when Monroe sang happy birthday to President John F. Kennedy. Both resale and rental businesses are growing more and more, as well as other businesses which focus on offering only sustainable labels. This is the case of Immaculate Vegan, an online platform selling vegan shoes, bags and accessories, as well as ethical and sustainable homewares. But what exactly is vegan fashion? And why adding vegan fashion to your product strategy? I'm Lina Vash, content editor at Hive, and with me today I have Annick Ireland, the founder and CEO of Immaculate Vegan. Good morning, Annick. Good morning. What's vegan fashion?
1: What's vegan fashion? Well, it's very simply fashion that has no animal materials in it whatsoever. So the really obvious ones that people will think of are obviously fur, um, but leather is a really big component, obviously, of a lot of shoes, bags and accessories, so no leather. But probably the lesser thought of ones are also wool, um, silk, and also things like down, which are often used for outerwear, so feathers, things like that. So yeah, they're
0: the main ones. And how did you come up with the idea for Immaculate Vegan?
1: Well, it sort of started off very much the passion project, actually. So I became vegan about six and a half years ago now. And to be honest, I found the food side of it actually very simple. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, the, the vegan food industry, I think, is very well established. I live in London. It's really easy to go out and get vegan food. But the problem started essentially when I started looking up vegan fashion. So I started, I think, like a lot of people do, just Googling things like vegan shoes, vegan bags, and what I found was probably <laughs> quite horrific, really, in some ways. probably, I guess what you know if I said the words to you vegan fashion, it's probably what you might think of as a as a stereotype, right? So quite kind of frumpy stuff, quite um not very fashionable, not very stylish, not very high quality. So I was thinking, oh God, this is going to be really hard. <laughs> um, you know, can I, can I really do this? Um And then I just spent a lot of time doing doing my research. so a lot of time on the web. Um, a lot of time on social media, so primarily Instagram, where obviously a lot of fashion brands live. And the good news is that I found that there are actually a lot of vegan brands out there, but they were, and really beautiful vegan brands, right? So really stylish, really high quality boutique brands all around the world. The bad news was, for me anyway, and for other consumers, is that they were just really hard to find. So they weren't very well exposed, they weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't big companies, they were small companies, they were led by people, you know, passionate about product, but not great at marketing themselves. Yes. And there wasn't really a platform like Immaculate Vegan where you could find all this stuff. So, um, you know, my, my initial kind of view was, well, I don't want anyone else to think, you know, I want to make really good fashion choices, but I can't find this stuff, so I'm just going to go back to buying, you know, the same old stuff. I wanted people to know it was out there. So
0: I was Give working, them an alternative. Give them an
1: alternative and, and make it easy. I think that's what's so important, right? So... Um, I, started, I was working full time, um, but I, started, I thought I'll start an Instagram blog. I'll call it Immaculate Vegan because, um, you know, the whole idea is that you can look immaculate, but you can also be immaculate, you can make immaculate choices.
0: And when was this exactly? So, so
1: this was about, I think, three years ago that I started the Instagram blog, and it just really took off. I was getting brands contacting me saying, like, wow, you know, like um, you. Know, uh, finally you, thank, an
0: advocate. Finally, yeah, <laughs> and also
1: I think because I was, you know, I've made it very kind of art curated, you know, very curated, very art directed, very beautiful. That was the whole point, to try and, you know, show people that vegan fashion can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, were, the brands were liking it because they were seeing that they – their brand was being shown in the way they wanted it to. Um, but I was also getting individuals contacting me saying like, wow, I just had no idea this stuff existed. Yes. Uh, I didn't, I didn't realise there was this kind of alternative and wouldn't it be amazing if I could buy it all in one place? So that was kind of where the whole, the whole idea came from. And then kind of, you know, far, fast forward, essentially, I thought, uh, you know, there's definitely a business opportunity here. So I left my job, uh, found a co-founder, um, who's an amazing guy who, who you know comes from a very sort of ba- background of e-commerce and technology, as well as marketing like me. Um, and then, yeah, we just decided to, to launch the business together. We launched about two and a half years ago, and, and here we are. <laughs>
0: Well, um, congratulations. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's been very exciting.
0: In 2021, female entrepreneurs pulled in only 1% of venture capital investment. You've just opened the second investment round for 2022-2023. Was it hard to find the initial investment to take the business off the ground?
1: So, I mean, first of all, that statistic is just shocking. I know. About 1%. That is horrendous. I mean, so... We didn't find it very hard last time around. We're not finding it hard this time around. But what I would say is it's almost, it's in spite of everything. So where we, I think, are very lucky is the kind of business we are, because we're at the tail, we're sort of, we've are we got four very strong tailwinds, and we're right in the middle of them. So there's huge interest in veganism. There's huge interest in sustainability. So we've got both of those. But we're also a pure play e-commerce um, platform platform. Um, I mean, e-commerce has obviously, you know, been growing and growing, but the pandemic has accelerated that. And we're also a marketplace, which is, you know, a model of e-commerce that is particularly, I think, um, popular and and has shown huge growth. So I think we're lucky in that aspect. And that's what I think has made us attractive to a lot of investors. But what I would say is, I mean, have I seen that I think, you know, is it quite sort of male dominated um, area, like 100%? I mean, I've met very, very few, people heading up VC firms or investment funds or even angels that are women compared to the ones that are, I would say, I think, I think it's still a very male dominated, you know, area. Um, I think the other thing is even within veganism, what we find is there's a lot of interest in the stuff that's very technology or, um, yeah, I guess it's technology focused. So, so for example, you'll hear a lot about alt proteins, right? Which basically means food. So, so investors are really interested in vegan food um, and, that particularly the components so things like you know um cell grown meats uh, all sorts of lab grown meats and um that kind of stuff mm-hmm. meat alternatives essentially but fashion i think is seen as quite a frivolous area for many people yes. so i would say where we've struggled is I, I don't think there's actually that much invest that much investment or that many investment funds that will openly say we're interested in fashion, which is crazy because fashion is one of the biggest industries in the world. It's also one of the most environmentally damaging. And therefore, it's also one where there's the most opportunity to actually make a massive impact. yeah. Yeah, if we change it. And there's so many people doing amazing things. So I think there's actually a bigger problem around investment in fashion. And obviously, a lot of fashion companies are led by women. So I think that, that's where a lot of that link you know, comes in as well. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough.
0: Well, hopefully things will change. <laughs> hopefully they'll
1: change, yeah.
0: Since launching the business in 2019, you've managed to expand to new markets, not only in the UK, but other countries in Europe and US. Is yeah. there a difference in terms of appetite for vegan fashion across these markets?
1: Yeah, I mean, so the good news is that it's, it's actually really strong everywhere. I think what we see is that there are definitely sort of... Um, I mean, there are stuff, so UK and the US are obviously big fashion markets, and they're actually also really big vegan fashion markets as well. But I think part of that is just, you know, they're obviously developed economies. Um, there's a lot of awareness around the effects of the impact of the environment, around sustainability, as well as veganism. And that is driving the growth in, I would say not, not just people that just want purely vegan fashion, but actually just that wider conscious consumer, right? So people that are really wanting to make better decisions about the kind of things they buy. And, and that's that's actually a really established market. In Europe, we've got some countries that are really strong in sustainability. So Germany is one. And you see it like in the, in the number of brands that are coming out from there as well. There are loads of amazing vegan fashion brands coming out of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the vegan shoe industry is really strong now in Italy and Spain because they're, you know, traditionally very great at shoe manufacturing. And that's, you know, there's there's a lot of um, factories that are now doing vegan shoe manufacturing. So there are definitely pockets where it's stronger. What we've been really surprised by is actually how strong the US market's been for us. So, you know, we are... Uh, I mean, we're as a business, we're UK based, but we we sell globally and our two biggest markets, the UK and the US and US consumers, we found have a big appetite for European brands, UK brands, they're willing to spend a lot on shipping. Uh, They're willing to spend a lot on the product as well. So that's yeah, that's been that's been really surprising for us. But I think I think it's a global phenomenon, to be honest
0: why should retailers add vegan fashion to their product strategy? What advice would you give to those who are reluctant to add vegan fashion to their product range?
1: Yeah, why should they? Well, I guess I, I come at it from two angles, right? So one is the commercial angle, which is, well, your consumers are, and if they're not all doing it now, they will very soon. So, you know, I'm aware, obviously, you've got retailers that, you know, are, you know all around the UK, all around the world, and they probably have, they're in very different demographics. So, some of them will be in areas where there's probably a very high and established demand already. Some will be in ones where maybe there isn't yet. But I would say if you want to be, you know, if you want to have the front foot and you don't want to be left behind, you know, just do a quick Google of stats around sustainable fashion, vegan fashion. You know, the the demands, the search volume, the demands, The, um, you know, there's so many stats around, you know, um, percentage of consumers who are now looking for vegan fashion. There's, you know, so many really major, even luxury brands now that are dropping fur, dropping, you know, even... Uh, big brands that are saying they're going to drop leather, you know, in the next 10 years. So it's, you know, this this isn't something that's going to be around in 40, 50 years time. This is something that's happening now. And if you don't want to left, be left behind, I would get get in on it before everyone else does. <laughs> I would say the other thing is, obviously, you know, if you care about the environment, this is one of the biggest ways to make an impact. You know, aside from food, fashion is something that we all spend a lot of money on. It's an industry that employs a lot of people all around the world, yes. you know, particularly in the global south. And actually, supporting and promoting and selling brands that are doing the right thing for the environment, for their supply chain, um, is is your way of making a really big difference as well. So I think, yeah, hopefully yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, there's plenty of
0: good reasons to do it. Yeah, and a big way of driving change as well.
1: Big way of driving change.
0: What's the easiest way of finding vegan fashion suppliers?
1: Yeah, well... Uh, I'm not going to give away, obviously, all our trade secrets. Um, (laughs) But, um, look, I mean, the good news is it it honestly is not that hard. You know, if you again, if you do a quick search, you'll find there are lots of suppliers out there. Um, It obviously all depends on, you know, your range and your demographic and the kind of stuff you want to buy. What I would say is the good thing is there's a lot of choice out there now. There's good vegan fashion brands at pretty much every price level um, for every style. Um, I think the... The best thing you can do as a retailer is educate yourself about the why, because obviously you're the one that's going to have to be selling these products to your consumers. And it's really important that you can tell the stories about the brands, but also about the wider movement. So for us, you know, we don't just look at non uh, or vegan materials, non-animal materials. We also look at sustainable materials and we also really care about ethical labor. Um, And so I would say as a retailer, educate yourselves about why all those things really matter and also that will enable you to find the right brands because it's not just about getting a list of vegan brands, right? It's about getting vegan brands that you know care about their supply chain, that make sure everyone is paid a living wage in their supply chain, that care about using sustainable materials, you know, that aren't, aren't just full of plastic, for example. To do that, you need to be able to navigate that world and avoid the greenwashing, of which there is a lot. A lot on, yes. So two sources I would say that I think are really good that people can go to. Um, that one is called Good On You, it's a brilliant platform. Um, they, they have two components. They have a lot of information around all the different materials, um, around what you know what ethical sustainable fashion is. It's just a you know it's amazing um, you know minor resources, but it also has a brands database where they rate brands, fashion brands. I think they've rated over three thousand brands, including major brands as well, um, according to all the different components of ethics and sustainability. So that is a really good place to go. Uh, there's also a great website called collective fashion justice and they have again a, a lot of great information about about the why I guess right about what the fashion industry really is about and where all the different aspects are that aren't ethical or sustainable and what you can do about it and where the alternatives are so just become educated and you know and, and it's really exciting it's really interesting as well
0: and you actually travel to visit manufacturers or you deal with the brands only? No, never.
1: So we purely deal with the brands, but we do use various ways in which we vet the brands. So we, we have a very thorough vetting process. Um, I mean, fundamentally, we look at essentially four things. We look at materials. So what materials do they use? Are they obviously vegan, but are they the most sustainable possible? We look at their manufacturing. So we ask them questions about their factories, how they manufacture so there are lots of things around sustainable manufacturing, for example, things like closed-loop technology where everything's recycled or solar-powered or how they use their dyes and how they get rid of them. So there's a whole load of stuff around that. Um, ethical labour is the third one. So we ask them a lot of questions about their, their workforce, their garment workers. Um, again, you know, where, where are their things made? How they, you know do they pay a living wage? All that kind of stuff. Um, and then lastly, we look at Packaging. So obviously, that's maybe that might be less important for a retailer with a bricks and mortar store, but very important, you know, when you're selling like we are or a marketplace where the brands are sending directly to the consumer. So we want to make sure they're using really sustainable packaging as well. So it's being informed about all those different areas and and being, I think, able to ask the brands that you work with the right questions and then be satisfied that you're getting the answers that you want so that you feel confident.
0: So do you think it's easy to ensure transparency across the whole supply chain or is it still an area that needs some improvement?
1: Oh, it needs a lot of work. So it's much easier in the brands that we work with and maybe a lot of your your retailers will also work with smaller independent brands. So the great thing about small independent brands is that they have really small supply chains. So, you know, they they it's absolutely in their gift to know exactly what's going on at every level of them. And certainly the brands that we talk to are fully aware of everything that's going on and therefore they can make sure that every element of it is as sustainable and as ethical as it as it can be. Where I think it's really problematic is with larger brands, um, where their supply chains are just so opaque. You know, they're, they're working with hundreds of factories all around the world. Those factories themselves are working with Hundreds of different suppliers in terms of raw materials. Right, buttons will come from one place, thread will come from another. Yes. Um, you know, the cotton will be grown in one country, it'll be then processed in another. So there's, it's just very, very complex, and it doesn't make it impossible. just, but it just makes it harder for them to really understand what's going on. And pr- and probably they've kind of got away with it for a long time, not knowing what's going on, because it allows them to distance themselves from it as well. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's where, as a retailer, if you're working with bigger brands, you need to be much more. Um, careful and also probably interrogate them more in terms of, you know, how much do they really understand? There's, I mean, there's some great stuff that can help you as well. There's, um, you know, Fashion Revolution, the, the group produces something called a um, Transparency Index, where they basically, I think it's about 500 brands, like big brands that they've, um, they've got in there. And they have w- worked with them, they give them massive questionnaires um, to understand what they, what they know about their supply chains. And they publish all that information and they give those brands a rating. Um, and, I mean, generally, uh, spoiler alert, it's pretty bad. Um, where the, where it's better is the sort of the level one, you know, basically their garment workers, they've obviously got a lot more insight into, but it's that level two and beyond, you and know, that's, to, that's where there's the, you know, a real lack of transparency, yeah.
0: At COP26 in Glasgow, Stella McCartney unveiled an exhibition about the future of fashion featuring garments created from vegan mushroom leather. Mm -hmm. What are the most innovative materials being produced right now?
1: So this is such an exciting area. I I could talk (laughs) about this for ages. Um, So, yeah, the good news is there are so many great materials now that are getting, by the way, a lot of investment um, that are using um, either entirely plant-based materials, they're rare by the way, but they they do exist, or primarily plant-based materials. So the ones that we see a lot of and that we sell a lot of are apple leather is really popular. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful leather. Again, it looks, feels very much like animal leather. Um, There are two kind of main manufacturers in in Europe um, and it's around 50% apple content. So essentially it's, it's made from a waste product, which are the apple skins and apple cores from the juicing industry in Italy. So there's a lot of waste produced. Previously, that would just be binned. It now goes um, through a sort of, obviously, a, a you know, a, a very patented process. Um, but it goes through a process of turning it into a plant-based leather, which is amazing. Um, you also have pineapple leather, which is made from pineapple leaves, which is another waste product. You have grape leather, which is from the wine industry. Um, I mean, yeah, oh, cactus leather, which is a, a probably one of my favorites. Um, just in terms of its the the quality is just insane. So, yeah, there are a lot of really amazing plant-based leathers now. Um, And there are some, I mean, mushroom leather is actually not very widely available commercially. um, But there are quite a few manufacturers, so hopefully that will change over time. And there's also one called Mirum, which is 100% plant-based as well. Um, There's even a company making a leather, which is in its infancy right now, um, but it's called Treekind, and it's made from leaves. And they're collecting leaves from... um, uh, national parks around the UK. Wow. Obviously, just, you know, <laughs> they just fall to the floor. Um, and yeah, they're turning that into a, a 100% plant-based biodegradable leather. So it's a really, really exciting
0: area. Um, in February this year, British folk questioned if vegan fashion is really better for the planet as animal leather goods tend to last longer and some so-called vegan fabrics actually contain microplastics and derive from fossil fuels. How do you choose vegan fashion? How can you make sure that it is, in fact, eco-friendly?
1: Yeah, so that is a really, really good question. And I think it is something that there's a lot of misunderstanding about. So I think, you know, certainly something we hear about is, oh, if it's vegan, that must be, you know, is it, is it just made of plastic then? Um, a lot of people think of vegan leather as maybe PVC, right, which is one of the worst kinds of plastic. So we have a no PVC policy, Immaculate Vegan. We don't have we don't sell any brands that use PVC because it is a really toxic plastic. However, <laughs> this is where it gets more complicated around plastics in general. So, So what I would say is, so the first thing is, is any kind of vegan fashion generally better than animal leather. Actually, yes, it is. Uh, This isn't just me saying this. There's been a lot of research into this. Um, There's uh, a great um, piece of work, uh, what's called the Higgs Index. It's it's produced by the Sustainable um, Fashion Apparel Group. And they basically looked at the uh, cradle-to-grave impact of of all the kind of common materials used in fashion, including leather, but also cotton, conventional cotton, organic cotton, um, you know, fur, um, everything. And what they found is that the, the, the worst materials, um, and they look at, by the way, everything, not just carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions, but also, um, you know, water eutrophication, use of water, use of energy, all kinds of different things. Leather, and I think alpaca wool is up there as the absolute worst um, animal leather. So it's yeah. worse than even um, fossil fuel derived vegan leathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah be under no <laughs> um, you know misunderstanding that animal leather isn't one of the worst things yes it does last a long time but the reason it lasts a long time is because it's packed full of really toxic chemicals So, and an animal skin doesn't last a long time, animal skin just rots which is why you can't use that for a pair of shoes you have to put over 200 chemicals into it to make it last and that all then will leach back out into the environment so animal leather is, is very very toxic um, and it also uses and consumes a huge amount of energy so that so that's the good news. And by the way, wool um, and conventional, i.e., non-organic cotton, were also the, the kind of the worst materials. So those are kind of from if you care from the environment, um, those are the ones to absolutely avoid. Um, however, is all vegan leather good? No, of course it isn't. Absolutely not. And and yes, yeah, so PVC I would definitely avoid like the plague. Um, amongst everything else, um, you know it is trickier because it's there's definitely a range, um, and that's why I would say so. You know first of all, at Immaculate Vegan, we do vet all of our brands and we do work with the ones that use the most sustainable materials there are. So all of those lovely vegan uh, plant-based leathers that I just talked about. Um, there's also a lot of recycled materials. Um, there's a lot of um, vegan leathers. They're sometimes called corn leathers or they're sometimes called just bio-based leathers. Um, but again, a lot of g- high-quality vegan brands will, will use um, a vegan leather that's essentially made from cereal crops. So it uses the oil from cereal crops. And again, that's you know that's a really nice sustainable alternative so there are lots of sustainable alternatives. But again, you need to, I think, as a retailer become a bit educated ab- about this whole sphere because um, yeah, there are there, there are there are lots of different brands doing very different things. There is greenwashing in here as well. Um, you know, we'll see it in the in the major brands too, they're greenwashing too. So yeah, you I think you have to become a bit educated. But yeah, there absolutely are very sustainable alternatives.
0: Since you first started Immaculate Vegan, do you think people's attitudes towards fashion sustainability have changed?
1: Yes, 100%. So I think it was already popular when we started, um, but I think, God, the acceleration has just been amazing in the past few years. Um, And we're certainly seeing that in our customers. So we have a lot of questions around, you know, people really drilling into sustainability and they want to understand more about, I think, about where their products have come from, how they're made. Um, I think COVID has really accelerated, the, you know, the, the focus on the environment as, as well as things like obviously, you know, COP26 and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, one hundred percent, and it's just it's it's accelerating even more. So if you're if you're not there now, get in on it.
0: <laughs> one last uh, question: What are your plans for Immaculate Vegan? Does this second round of investment has a specific purpose?
1: Yeah, so I mean, overall, it, it you know, it's very much just kind of um, bigger, better, more. I would say. So you know we are still a very young company. We're only two and a half years old. Uh, we've got a good footprint in, footprint in the UK and the US, but I think the US presents a really massive opportunity for us. So um, essentially, we're spending the money. Um, a lot of it is going on the website itself. So we're you know we may need to replatform, um, but we're you know we're really focused on how do we make the customer experience just you know the best it possibly can be. So we'll,
0: it's all about convenience. These
1: days, it's all about it? convenience, but also just things like you know making um, you know transparency around um, taxes, you know, import taxes are a big thing, obviously, you know, Brexit made that a bit harder as well when dealing with European brands or European customers buying other brands. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff around that we're investing in our team. So we're really upscaling our team, you know, we've got five people currently, we'll be hopefully doubling that in the next year. Um, and just getting, you know, more and more amazing brands on board. The good news is there are so many great brands to go after now. I mean, that that has been the biggest change I've seen in the last three years, just how many new brands are launching all the time.
0: So yeah, more, 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 I think. That's really exciting. Thank you so much for being with us today and, no thank, problem. You, and thank you for, uh, for you who are listening today to another episode of Fashion Questions. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Stay tuned.